Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. At this time, I would like to welcome uh, my beloved friend and my little brother, Pastor Doug, to come up and deliver the word today. Can y'all welcome him well, please? Hey, beautiful people. How are you? Feeling all right? I'm so glad that you are here today. I want to extend a welcome to those of you here for the first time. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. From all of us to you, welcome to the party. This is a great place to be. We are normally this up all the time, energy level-wise. So, so glad that you're here, particularly if you would say that you are not a disciple, a follower of Jesus. That's a fancy way of saying not a Christian. Man, like, we're so glad that you would just kind of entrust these few minutes with us on your spiritual journey. Our hope is that you get to experience the love of Jesus and his people while you're here before you ever believe in said Jesus, okay? That's the plan here. That's the hope. So with that, uh, I get the great joy of, oh, it's not working. It'll come on in a second. Uh, of setting us up for the next two weeks, okay? So if you were here last week, it was Vision Sunday. We set up that this year is the year of freedom. You should feel that, right? It's deep down in my soul, cultural value, got a tattoo for it and everything, not even a joke. Uh, however, we believe here that freedom is found in the context of community. I'm going to show you that slide in a second. If you've got your mobile device, go ahead and scan that. For you online, if you're watching on a mobile device, you can simply go to renovationchurch.com slash sermon notes. The chat host has already put that in the chat for you. I'm going to give you just a second to go there. In three, two, one, moving on. If you can't scan it, renovationchurch.com slash sermon notes. That doesn't change. Uh, we believe that freedom is found in the context of community. So here's what that means. If you desire freedom in your life this year, you need Jesus people. That's what that means, okay? And so this Sunday and the next Sunday are all about you getting with Jesus' people so you can do what we say and take off the mask and find freedom. We call those small groups, okay? So that's this Sunday and next Sunday. You do not want to miss it. There's more we're going to be telling you about in here in just a little bit. But today, I have the job, the great joy, the great privilege of trying to paint a picture for you of what it's like in a Jesus community, what you should expect when you get to a small group of people, what to look forward to, what it's going to be like for you. And so with that, we're going to be in the book of Colossians today, which is my favorite New Testament book. And I've got a lot we're going to read, but we're only going to go for one verse, which is verse 14. If you're already there, say you got it. Awesome. Verse 14 says this, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's Colossians 3.14. Let's pray together real quick, family, before we dive fully into the word. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us this morning. 
Thank you for ministering to your people. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you anoint the words that are coming out of my mouth, that they hit the hearts of your people and they would be inspired, motivated, take the risk of taking the mask off with the people of God so that they can find freedom in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name and all the people of God said, amen. Amen. So thank you so much, Jay. Uh, So as I was doing some research the other day for another project I'm working on, I came across this idea, it's a sociological idea, about how and that describes the society that we live in, and it really hit me strong, and I want to share it with you, because I think you live this and have to deal with this every single day, and it's going to be a, a very technical term, it's very simple, I'm going to break it down, it's called the atomization of society. Stay with me, okay? Uh, it's basically trying to look at society through the analogy of atoms and molecules, So, for our purposes, we're going to go with water, right? So, when the atoms of a water molecule have strong bonds together, okay, their individual individual atoms aren't quite as sufficient, but their bonds together are very strong, they form something very solid. We call it ice, right? It's something predictable. You can actually build upon it if it's cold enough in your environment. You can make beautiful art with it because you can sculpt things with it. It's very solid, stable, and tangible. But as those individual atoms gain energy, right, the bonds that are between them break down. And what happens is that the the solid object that we just have fundamentally changes its state. And it moves from a solid to a liquid, which is less permeable, right, less solid. It's harder to take. But if it keeps going and those atoms gain more and more energy, they become what we call steam which is this amorphous kind of freedom, kind of in-the-air thing that you can't really get your hands on. You see it, but you can no longer really manage it. It's not really tangible anymore. You can't build anything with it. It's just a bunch of atoms floating in the air. Now, I think we're probably on the same page that molecules are meant to be a representative of a human society, right? All human societies are formed with deep bonds to one another, right? That's actually how they form. You have people that come together who actually need each other, and in doing so, form a community, form different bonds with each other, and make this tangible, beautiful, foundational thing that they all rely on and the surrounding world relies on. But as those people become more self-sufficient, more independent, more individualized, those bonds with the community, the society around them, begin to break down because they don't really need those people anymore. Mm. And, you move, and what happens is that you fundamentally change what that community or society was. It moves from being this tangible collection of people that you can clearly identify to this airy collection can't really get your hands on it, nobody's really connected to any one steam of a society. It can't be really built upon. Can't be really held. You see it, it's there. The the people are there. But their bonds are so broken down that there's nothing really solid anymore. Now, as as I read this and read many articles about this, it felt very real to me, as I'm probably sure it does to you too. Because the, we live this every single day, don't we? It feels like there's nothing holding our culture together anymore. That we're just a collection of atoms floating around in the air. And like, it's almost as though our individualism 
has cost us our togetherness. And the, the impacts of that are many, the side effects are many, but the most dire to me, as I look at the landscape of our culture, is the loss and the active presence of love in our lives. Like I heard one pastor say it this way, without presence and without sacrifice, you can't have love. And so if we lose presence, connection with one another, we lose the effective presence of love in our life. Your, the, the, the level that you experience love in your life is directly connected to the bonds that you have with other human beings. And if you break those down, you lose the effectiveness of love in your life, which means several things for us. Particularly for those of us who are Christians, it means that if we lack love when we treat our church as an optional convenience. You, you lack love in your life when the community of Jesus is optional for you. Look, 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 look at me, look at me. Love is not optional. Love and optional are not complementary. Love and convenience don't hold hands. Real love requires presence and sacrifice. And yet, as I look around our world, I don't see those two things being high cultural values. But here's the, here's the detrimental part to all of us, regardless of if you're a disciple of Jesus or not. We need and desire to experience love in our lives to have a healthy human soul. Which is why I think the scripture that we're diving into today is so powerful for us. Because it states and honestly unpacks that God's people are known for how they love one another. That is our ethic. That is how the world identifies us by how we have love for one another. And so what I want to do over the next 15 minutes, and I mean quickly, because we've got a lot to do today, is I want to just kind of work through these five verses and look, at, and look at what Paul is saying a community of Jesus looks like with love, with, with their bonds tight together, okay? And so we begin in verse 12. I don't have verse 12 up there. Oh, well. We begin in verse 12. Uh, and in verse 12, Paul is asserting something specific here. He is asserting the Christian identity, right? And you see this in every single one of Paul's letters and all throughout the Bible. Before we ever get to what you're supposed to do, we have to talk about who you are and who you believe you are. And Paul asserts something very specific here. He says that you, as Christians, as the people of God, are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. And look, look, hear me, this is fundamental to everything we are going to be talking about today because if you don't believe, if we don't believe that God chose us, that he made us blameless, and that above all else we are dearly loved, nothing I'm going to say today is going to make sense. Because there's something true about human beings and it's that belief determines behavior. Look, I, I think this is something we don't give enough credit to. What you think about yourself, God, and the others around you determines how you interact with them. And so if we don't have our identity as Christians cemented that our Heavenly Father chose us, 
made us holy and blameless and says to us, you are dearly loved. You will live in some other way than what Paul is announcing. You will live in some other way that's not Christianly. Like, and honestly, as, as a quick side note, that's how you should determine who the Christians are in the room? Like, we, we hear this. That's why Jesus says you will know them, them being Christians, by their fruit. If someone says they believe the good news of Jesus, but their life doesn't echo that statement, I would question whether they actually believe the good news of Jesus. And like, look, nobody gets this perfect, right? That's the gift of being part of the people of God. We do not judge each other by our worst moments. We judge each other by our trajectory. Is your life headed towards Jesus? Not that you fell off one day. Not, is it headed towards Jesus? That's how we determine who the Christians are all around us. And so when you are a part of a Christian community, the first thing you must settle on is who you are, what God thinks about you, and what you think about the people around you. And it's that you are chosen, holy, and we are dearly loved. Okay, so since that is the thing, Paul then moves to the next few verses to describe what we look like, and he uses the analogy of like placing on clothes. And he picks uh, six specific things. He says, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. He says, these are the outward visible signs of the people of God. In keeping with the analogy, this is our jersey. This is this, people who are on Team Jesus wear this like a jersey. This is how you identify Team Jesus. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Now, again, here's what's funny. Uh, I know that we all like um, to reinterpret words to fit how we want them to say. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to define these for you quickly. And then I want to give you some scriptures. You can go read them on your own, not right now. Uh, that you can actually go look up what this looks like. Compassion. A Jesus-like sensitivity to the needs and sorrows of others. Kindness, a Jesus-like attitude towards others. Humility, a Jesus-like attitude towards yourself. Gentleness, a Jesus-like restraint in using our power and authority. Gentleness is not softness. It's a whole different sermon. Patience, a Jesus-like endurance with people's progress. And then forgiveness, a Jesus-like response to people's sin. This is what it means to wear the jersey of Team Jesus. You try to be like our mascot. You try to make your life resemble the life of Jesus. Now, here's something I realized when I just was like looking at this list is that those things can be faked for a limited time. Like, I can be kind to you as long as you're not being a joker. My for I can forgive you within reason. Like, I can be patient with your progress up until a point that starts to, like, bother my life. So how... How 
Are we supposed to stay as a community, a team Jesus, if these things can be faked? Paul answers the question in the next verse. It's love. He says in verse 14 that love binds it all together, all these things together in perfect unity. Like in this metaphor, Paul is saying you've got all these different things you're trying to wear. All these different things you're trying to put on. But none of them go together until you add love. Because think about this. Patience and pity look very similar on the surface. It takes love for me to question my own motivation as to why I'm having patience with your progress. My forgiveness has limits until I remember that my Savior loved me. And so I can love and forgive you. We can keep going down the line of all these different things. It is love that binds them all together. Love is the bond that holds the people of God together. And so this is the virtue, the the jerseys, what we look like as the people of God. Now, Paul then moves to the next few verses by going from what you would call the individual actions of the community to what happens as a whole when these things are present within the community. So it's like we're here and then we zoom out a little bit of what you should expect within the whole of the community when these things, when love, compassion, all these different things have their effect on us. And the first one in verse 15 is peace. He says that the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts. Now, for the original hearers of this phrase, peace of Christ, any time that they would have heard that, it would have, like, triggered them a little bit because they lived under a Roman empire, which lived under what they called the peace of Rome or Pax Romana. And this is what it meant. Rome believed that because of the size of their empire, that the violence and overwhelming oppression and force of their military, that they established peace in their land. And this was a gift to you as under the Roman Empire because you were then free to move about your life and find your calling and find your flourishing because Rome would violently oppress any uprising. That's the peace of Rome. Contrast that now with the peace of Christ, or some callers call Pax Christiana, within the Christian community. A peace that pervades this community, not because of violence and oppression, but because of the love and sacrifice of Jesus. A peace that rules us, rules every interaction we have, so that when there is pain and hurt in the community, the peace of Christ rules us, and we've got to figure that out. When there's conflict within the community, because we're human beings and sin is always being pushed back, we're okay. Because the peace of Christ rules us. It's the gift in the same way that you would have heard, like, it's, you're free to flourish under Pax Romana, under the peace of Rome because of their violence. You are free to flourish here, to, to struggle and work out your salvation, to wrestle with the deep things, bring up your doubts before the people. Because it's the peace of Christ that rules us. And love is our ethic. 
That's who we are. You can take your mask off here. You can take it off because the peace of Christ reigns among us. That's the gift that you have among the people of God. And there's an interesting thing that moves to the next text here in the next verse. Because this freedom, this peace allows for us to begin to teach and challenge one another. Think about this. Like We don't just, in a very hippie 1970 sense, just feel love all the time. Right? We are actually trying to get better, which requires wise teaching, wise challenging. And we are free to do that because the peace of Christ is here. We're free to do that. You are free to be challenged because you know that no matter what happens, you are unified in the love of Jesus. And so we are free to engage one another, to challenge one another, to teach one another. As Pastor Leon said last uh, first Wednesday, if you weren't here, I'm really sorry you missed it. Uh, Truth with love, without love is violence. Love without truth is poison. We are free to live in both spaces. Because the love of Christ is here. And it's challenging us based upon the gospel message, the good news of Jesus. But there's an interesting connection that Paul makes here. He he pairs this wise teaching and challenging with singing. Hang on, I I wouldn't plan on doing it. Let's go back. With all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing with God with gratitude in your hearts. Somehow, can I just, can I dig a little bit? Is that all right? Can I dig? Thank you. Okay, he gave me permission. Don't matter what y'all say. Uh, If you've got a problem with someone or something going on, and it's irking you, and that happens, that's real. I'm not knocking that. Ask yourself one question. Do I regularly, as the Bible would define regularly, sing with those people? Do I I regularly lift the praises of Jesus with them? Like, if the answer's yes, ride on, Christian soldier. Right? Go for it. If the answer's no, I'm going to go here and say you should sing first. Now, I know that sounds silly. I, I know it does. But corporate worship has this unifying effect for the people of God. Like it has this effect on us to where we begin to love and trust the others around us because we know we're headed in the same direction. We know we're worshiping the same Jesus. And look, and just in case you think this is like like pastor trope, like come to church, let me go back to the front side. Love requires presence. Love holds hands with presence. And so if you aren't present with the people that are bothering you and you feel the need to challenge something, go sing first. And then after you sing for a while, go to it. But I promise you, I promise you, the manner in which you engage that disagreement will be very, very different. Very different 
We must be together. If, if we are going to engage each other so we can get better at this, we must be together. It requires our presence. And so then Paul finally wraps up here in this last little verse piece with something that is simple but incredibly countercultural. He says, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father through him. I want you to think about this. Paul just told you to be thankful in everything. Like, how often do you find communities that are formed with gratitude as a central tenant? Like, I can easily find them, like, where they're formed around discontent. That's super easy. Like, just literally grab any social media app you want and go to the second post, right? <laughs> Community of discontent. But what... But a community that says gratitude in all things. Like, do you know how that can change the world? Have you ever been around a community that is just grateful for everything? Every win, loss, success, failure, every high and low, we just thank God for his goodness? Like, imagine if you took that ethic to your job. Instead of being a group of people who are discontent, just decide, I'm going to show up with thankfulness. I, you know right now the way that would change that environment. Imagine that would change your family dynamic if gratitude became a central tenet for your family. Now, granted, it's going to be hard to get six-year-olds to be grateful. I have a couple. It's difficult. I get that. We're growing. We're working at it, right? But it changes the dynamic when gratitude is a central tenet. Because this is, grateful people make great spaces. Grateful people make great spaces. And so gratitude is one of the most countercultural things we can possibly do as a community. And so as we wrap up here, and I've got to finish this very quickly because we've got some other things to do. I think it's really clear why this matters for you today. Despite where you are on your spiritual journey, you want a community like that, don't you? Yeah. We want it. And I get the seduction of the world that says you can just be an individual by yourself and not have strong bonds to everyone. That's not real. You can't have a community with weak, like this with weak bonds. You can't have effective love in your life with weak bonds. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk specifically to people in the room who say they're not a Christian. Today is what Jesus is inviting you into. That's it. That's what this is. You were being invited not only to be loved by a Savior, but to be a part of a loved people. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to pray. And if you're online right now, I want you to pray as well. If this is you, if today is the day you're going to follow Jesus, I want you to pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for those who in this room who said, today is the day I want to follow Jesus. I ask them that they come before you right now and say, I simply need you. That's it. That's all it is. I am insufficient to manage, to deal, to lead, to lord my life. I need you. God, and in doing so, 
I pray that their lives become awakened to the love of Jesus and his people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if, if that was you today, two things, depending on where you are. Um, if you're online right now, I want you to do this. Super simple. Text the phrase, I became a Christian. All one word, I became a Christian, to 94000. And someone from our pastoral staff, perhaps even myself, will reach out to you. We would love to follow up with you. We would love, 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 love to help you take that next step on your journey. If you're in this room, here's what I want you to do. At the end of the gathering, there's going to be a, a code for first-time guests. Just scan it. There's a button on there that says, I, I became a Christian. We, we want to follow up. You are a part of a loved people now who love people. Now, if you are a Christian in the room, yours is a little bit different. Your next step is a little bit different. Because you know already that you are loved people who love people, but it has a requirement. Loved people love people by being fully present. I am inviting you to strengthen your bonds with the people of Jesus and to be fully present with them and experience more love in your life. How are you going to do that? I got three ways for you. It's pretty easy. I think I'll set this up at the top. Get in a small group. Lord, get in a small group and take off the mask. You are ruled and reigned by the peace of Jesus. Love is our binding ethic. You can be honest and take off your mask with the people of God. And if somebody gets upset, find me. Second, worship weekly. Sing with us. I don't care that you can't sing. It doesn't matter. Sing with us. Because I promise you, that continues to unify us together. Sing with us. And then lastly, serve with your church. Serve with us. Let us be a group of people that the city can't live without. Serve with us. Let us impact this city for the greater good. Let them exalt and praise King Jesus because of the efforts of this place. Serve with us. Look, get in a small group. Sing and serve. And so to tell you more about what that looks like, I want to invite Pastor Sly up to the stage. Would you welcome him right now? church so good to see everyone um these three points that just disappeared i can bring um, them back oh you can, oh thank you yes um get into a small group that is what we're going to talk about however i want to talk about point number two uh it is my deepest desire to be on the praise team and i'm looking directly at pastor sam um i sung a beautiful birthday song about two weeks ago that everybody heard um, so please push him for that, okay? Um, but anyways, uh, I am, <laughs> nice laugh, <laughs> but anyways, I am the small groups pastor here at Renovation Church, and it's been my pleasure and my honor to serve with you. My entire life changed because someone invited me and I got involved. I literally pursued Jesus. I got into community. I met my wife. I love you, baby. <laughs> and um, I got hired here. Uh, which was one of the most transformational things that ever happened to my life. So I went into, from the corporate world to the church world, and it just changed everything radically. And I have my sister Sarah up here who has a very good story um, about how 
she got into the church. So as much as you want to share, can you just tell us a little bit about your life before you started attending Renovation Church and joined the small group? So before I started small groups, I, I came to this church in like January 2020. Um, and I was basically coming to church and trying not to sin during the week. Like, it took a lot to get to that point, but um, that's 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 where I was. And uh, you know, I would come in on Sunday, and I would get just filled up with a sermon by worship. Um, I'd say hello to some people, but I'd leave, and like a lot of people, maybe that's all I did. And I would leave, and I'd kind of feel a little empty after, because that's all I was doing. I wasn't bringing God into the rest of my life. Um, so, you know, I, I would say my faith was kind of fragile. Maybe I didn't know it at the time, um, but I didn't have the practices. I didn't have the community to really hold it up and strengthen it. So what uh, attracted you to small groups, and what small group did you end up joining? So um, it was right after kind of we were meeting back in person yeah. for the, from the pandem pandemic, and um, so I wanted an in-person one, which is great. And then I also picked a women's group. I knew I wanted to try to get vulnerable, and I just felt like a safe space was around other Christian women. So Katie and Shannon had a Genesis um, small group. And uh, it was great. It was a really great group. Katie's got another one this, uh, this semester. But yeah. yeah, so I just thought that was a great safe space, and why not start with Genesis? <laughs> <laughs> No, and uh, one of our most gifted teachers is Katie, and uh, she partnered with Shannon, and they taught a phenomenal Bible study and really walked through Genesis. So even I was learning stuff. So like the, the, the nuanced parts of Genesis where they start going through the lineage and stuff, I was like, wow, there's a lot of good theology in here. So yeah, I was a part of that too. Yeah. So after you joined the small group, we always encourage next steps. So can you tell us what your next steps were? Yeah, I think that group really started a lot. Like, God really put a lot into my heart then. And I just wanted more. The group ended, and I was like, Dude, can I just keep showing up to your house, Katie? Like, <laughs> I just want more. And so I just started spending time in the Word every morning. I had just read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, <laughs> plug. And uh, so I started trying to work less and give God more of my time. So I kept reading. I started a prayer life for the first time. Um, I joined a second small group that was just focused on, you know, holding each other accountable for that time with God and seeing what God was doing and showing these people was just so encouraging to me. He was answering my prayers directly in a way I didn't expect it because I didn't have a prayer life. Um, and it was just, it was amazing. I was falling in love with God. And, um, and so last May, I was able to kind of reflect this internal change through a baptism here, um, which has changed my whole life. Like, <laughs> It was just, and I got, you know, I got really involved in serving, you know, plug, plug uh, RKM kids. Uh, <laughs> and um, I grew friendships with the people in all of my small groups. Um, they were all there cheering me on at the baptism. Um, I even co-led a small group last semester with my girl, Brooke. <laughs> um, and it's just been this whole life-changing experience. And it all started because I signed up, I got vulnerable, went to a group of strangers, um, and God just started working. Amen, amen to that. And so what we see from her story is that pursuing Jesus is real, and there's real transformation that can happen in small groups. And it's been one of my honors to encourage and to lead small groups because this, because of you, right? 
not only have you blessed me, but you've blessed this church, right? You've gotten involved, you've served, and now you see God and you hear from God in a different way. And that's what we want here at Renovation Church. Yeah. So one last question before we get off the stage. <laughs> um, any, for anyone who is hesitant about joining a small group, what would you say to them? I mean, I'd say just do it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be a, I always thought that I wasn't Christian enough for a small group. Like, I was like, I don't know all the verses. I don't, I don't know the answers to these questions. But you don't have to. Um, you work that out with the community. Um, so just do it. Do it one semester and, and give, t it's like 10 to 12 hours of your life, you know, and just see what God will do. Um, you know, we want, he wants to wrap you up in community. <laughs> he wants, he wants to bring that to you. Um, so just see, see what he'll do in your life.